I'm going to talk to you today about John 13, verses 1 through 17. Um, This passage is an interesting passage to me, anyway, and I hope it will be to you as we go through it. It's on the grace of foot washing. Now, I don't have any basins or towels today, so we won't be participating in that. But uh, there's some very important lessons uh, that I believe are here for our edification. And uh, before we begin, let's just ask the Lord to bless our time. Father, we thank you uh, for your word. We thank you that uh, you're constantly teaching us about yourself and giving us personal examples of how you do things and then explain how these things should roll over into our lives. I pray that you'll teach us today, encourage us, and just give us a better view of who you are. In Christ's name, amen. John 13 through... 17, uh, there's five chapters there that are called the Upper Room Discourse. The Upper Room Discourse is, is a time where Christ spent with his disciples after having spent 12 chapters of trying to present the kingdom to the house of Israel, and there was this general rejection and so forth. He sat down with his disciples, and this is pretty much the precursor or the introduction of how they were going to go about and be part of the ministry of the church. And uh, it's, uh, th- these chapters cover a number of things. Uh, the, his return for his own, uh, doctrines about how the Father and he are one, uh, the promise and privilege of prayer, uh, promise of the Spirit, the bequest of peace, the vine and the branches, all of these uh, things that we've heard about and have heard sermons on, uh, the new intimacy that we have with him, uh, warnings of the world and of persecution, and then he finishes off with an intercessory prayer to his Father on our behalf. So it seems a little bit incongruent to me to start this great portion of teaching with foot washing. So, uh, you know, I mean, the promise of the Spirit, I mean, that's a really great thing. But uh, foot washing, I think you're going to see, is probably even a little better. And uh, as we get down through this, I hope that we'll agree that this is a lesson that we all need to take into our lives. One of the things that initially brought me to uh, this passage was that... uh, uh, through my life, I'd always been taught that this passage has to do with confession. You know, uh, we have to get our feet washed by Christ to get back into fellowship and so forth. And, you know, we've been through this type of thing before. And I think the last time I was here, we talked a little bit about that. But so I, I, I was trying to spend time here to find out it, what is it saying? What is it not saying? And, and it's really not talking about confession in any way, shape, or form. It's talking about an example that Christ is giving to these disciples. And we can see that in verse 15 of John 13 there. It says, For I give you an example that you also should do as I did to you. So, I mean, if, it, if this whole typology has to do with Christ and, you know, confession and so forth, they weren't asking for foot washing. He was giving them 
foot washing. Um, so they uh, were given an example, and we're going to go through down through these verses and hopefully find out what this example is that uh, he wants them to have. Now, before the feast of the Passover in verse 1, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This is the first key that I, if you're taking notes, you might want to just jot that one down. This is going to be the key of two as we look at this thing. First of all, Christ, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. And for me, this is, uh, speaks of how we are to uh, view others and, and interact with them. And it is a complete love that he describes here from beginning to the very end. I know that uh, as fickle as we are as humans, often we uh, love to a point. Christ loved to the bitter end. And even as you see through this passage, we're going to be bumping into Judas a little bit. uh, And I'm not going to really spend a lot of time on him other than to say that I believe through this whole passage that Christ was still reaching out to Judas, even though he knew where he was going to end up going. Now, we don't know where people are going in our lives. So, uh, you know, the goal here is to continually pursue that love no matter what, and right up to the end of our lives. This is uh, something that is in Christ's life, definitely should be in our lives. The, uh, it's worthy to note, I guess, that a hundred times love is mentioned or extolled throughout the New Testament. And in, in this chapter, uh, later on in verse 34 and 35, you'll see that he goes about talking about a new commandment. So the first thing about Christ in this uh, foot washing preparation, it's stated that he loved to the very end. Skipping down to verse 3, like I said, we're not going to spend time with the Judas issue, and we're also not going to spend too much time on Peter and his... uh, uh, bent towards saying and doing stupid stuff, okay? Where we're not going to really talk about him. We know he's like that, but Christ used him in this situation to get certain reactions so that he could teach specific truth. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. What I would like to bring out just here in in, uh, verse 3 and and 4 is that Jesus knew that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and he was going back to God. Now, take this... For us, how, how are we? How do we see this? Do we come forth from God? Are we going to return to God? I think it's, it would really be good for us to take a look at how that is so true of our own lives. Uh, you know, we've gone down through this list before, you know, as far as who we are now in Christ. 
And I, and I want to talk about who we are in Christ because so as we are in Christ, so is the other person in Christ, okay? Holy, blameless, chosen, saints, sanctified, adopted as sons, redeemed. We are the praise of the glory of his grace. Are you sure that other person is? You know, so as we're going down through here, what we want to try to develop is this attitude of who we are and who the other person is. You know, starting out with love. In that first verse, now we're looking at, do we have a good understanding of who we are, and do we really believe that to be true of that other individual? Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We are Christ's inheritance. We're children of God. We are alive in Him, seated with Him in heavenly places. We are His workmanship. We are brought near. We have access to the Father, fellow citizens with the saints. We're also ambassadors, and we're rich. And we're kings. Love must motivate us, and a grounded understanding of who we are should be the two precursors before we can be effective servants. See, that's what we're trying to get here. We're trying to get to effective servants. How can we be effective servants? Through love and understanding who we are and who that other individual is, whoever is we will be uh, working with. Christ got up from supper and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. The one thing, I think, if there's one thing that stood out for me as I went through this, was who was this man that is doing this? Uh, Being in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and became obedient even unto death. Uh, Isaiah 6, I always love this one, Uh, Isaiah 6, we can get to the right place here, this is Isaiah's vision and how he saw the Lord. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with, his, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This is that man that shed his garments and got down on his knees and started washing the disciples' feet. Um, He was the ex- Express image of the Godhead in bodily form. Um, No matter how often I try to get my head around that, I can't. It's uh, more uh, than one can take in, just like Isaiah there. I'm ruined. He saw him. And now we have a lesson that he's giving to his disciples. The God of all creation 
getting down on his knees and cleaning the feet of the disciples. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter and said to him, and, and, and Simon Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. And then, of course, Peter with his way of life. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. And that's a double negative there. It's no, not ever, you're not going to wash my feet. And then Christ says, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Then Simon said, Lord, then not, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. You know, if that's the case. I mean, he could flip-flop really quickly. But I believe the Lord used this, used Peter to draw out some things here that, uh, for me, are important. First of all, going back to verse 7, it says, What I do, you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. And there's, there's several ways that you can take this with Peter. Uh, first of all, uh, Christ is going to explain himself later on in this chapter and explain it to him. So that's maybe the hereafter. Uh, uh, the other thing is maybe when it's the full manifestation of the outpouring of his love on the cross that Peter might understand it. Maybe it was when Peter himself was crucified that he fully understood it. But nevertheless, he ultimately understood what he was going to do, or what he did and what this foot washing meant. The second thing I want to bring out here is in verse 8, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. I struggled a lot with understanding what that meant. Uh, I know it doesn't mean if I don't let him wash my feet, then I'm not saved. Uh, so there's something else here going on, and I'm not sure if I've figured it out yet or not, but you, you, can't, you can't have salvation, you know, that thing, that, that one-time thing that happens and, and then does all these things to you, and not have that ongoing ministry of Christ in your life. You can't, you can't split those two things up. One is just as much a part of that single thing because we became his children. Now he has a part in us. If I refuse to let him wash my feet, I don't, I, I'm not linked up with him. I, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not sure exactly how to describe it, but you just can't take one and leave the other. You've got to... Take it both. You're going to take the salvation. You're going to take his working in your life for growth, for maturity, for fruit. And that's just where it is, I think. And I think that's where it's going with that. There's some, maybe a, a, a sub-theme here regarding the washing of the feet. We're going to see that the washing of the feet uh, later is that uh, this is about service, just Christian service out of love. But there is an important aspect here of washing as an element of 
history through the Bible and what that generally means. And, and I think that sometimes we, we, we don't realize exactly what it is. And I'm going to share just a little bit about what I think. And I, and I first saw this in a book by Watchman Nee, who uh, it was on the spiritual man. And, and, and he was talking about how after a day out, out in the world, and many of us are out there. We we got to go to work. We got to drive. We're exposed to this. We're exposed to that. And as you go through the day, you're, you, it, stuff's getting on you. You you're, it, it's just icky. And 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 you come in at night, and you sit down, and you spend some time with the Lord, and it's it it washes you. And, I mean, that's the metaphor, I think, in a way, in, in the Old Testament there, where they never had or didn't have many shoes anyway, mostly sandals. They needed that walking dirt off their feet as they went through their day. And, and I'm sure we can all relate to that. But when you think of how much we are exposed to Satan's cosmos out there, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, look at any commercial for Mercedes-Benz. They hit you with all three of those things. Oh, you'll look really good in this, man. I'll feel good. And look at the plush leather and, and, hey, the shiny new paint and look at this year's lines. Every advertisement in the world is based on those three things. And we're getting hit with that. We're being taught through Satan's system that those are the important things of life. And those are the lies of life. The truth of life lies in washing one another's feet through love and through knowing who we are and who they are. This is called a cyclical operation of the body where we all have gifts, which we know, and we share them one with another. And we also receive those things from one another. That's how the body is built up. When Christ affects our salvation, we become his possession. We just can't take the one part and leave the other part behind. Okay. um, After Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean and you are clean, but not all of you. And he spoke uh, of, of that regarding Judas. And again, it's reiterated here that we are all clean when we are bathed. And that's a laving uh, that it talks about in that. But he who has laved needs only to wash, lave, wash his feet, you know, just to clean that off, you know. And, uh, you know, I lived a lot of years under the impression that, you know, I, I had to go through and confess all these sins and all this little stuff that stuck on me. Uh, they stuck on me because my mind wasn't right. And I, no, let, let's just minister to each other through the word. And, and we can all do that. But it also, I found, just like trying to put a little lesson together, it takes work to be able to minister through the word to other people. And I just want to encourage all of us 
to go there and to spend more time in finding out what are these portions talking about? How can I minister to somebody else? And on the other hand, how can I receive what somebody else is ministering to me? So we know we're completely clean. All we need is a little washing, you know, to get some of this misconception of the world cosmos out of our heads. So you go from your feet to your head, and that's kind of interesting. In the Old Testament, washing the feet, but really now we're having to wash our minds and our hearts every day from what is happening out here. All of these things are, are really Satan's tools to hinder the advance of the gospel. If he can get us taken up in our things and, and in the advertisements and the little things and the going out to eats and the this and the that pretty soon, you know, you know what he'll take from you? He'll take everything and leave you nothing. He'll take everything and leave you nothing. And it, it's, you know, we are the church of Christ and it, it's our, in a sense, duty to fight that influx into our lives, into the lives of our children. And I could just encourage you to try to find ways of of limiting the impact on, of, of, of the world on us and encouraging the growth of, of the scriptures and truth in our life. And certainly, just by coming to a class like this, we do that, by attending church, going to Bible studies, uh, interacting often with each other. <clears throat> okay, we're going to skip a couple of verses and get to verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. You know, it's, I just love the way Christ has done with the parables. He'll, he'll, he'll tell a parable, and then later on he'll explain it. And... This was sort of like that. He did this little deal, an object lesson, and now he's sitting down and explaining it to, to his disciples. I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. And it's, it's an important thing to take that and to look at what, what the meaning is. Truly, truly, I say unto you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who sent greater than the one who sent him. And if you know these things, you are blessed or happy if you do them. So, you know, if we're lacking a little happiness or blessedness in our life, let's go back and grab some out of this portion and do these things. In other words, let's get involved in washing others' feet. We do it through how? Through love, through knowing who we are, through believing that they're like we are, and that we all need to be sort of extricated out of this world system and make progress towards our heavenly kingdom that we are looking to arrive in at one time. And I, I want to go back to, we quoted it earlier, Philippians 2, um, 2, 5. Earlier we quoted this about Christ and knowing who he was. Here I want to just mention that this is actually, this passage is directed to us. It says, uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, 
have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And this it says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. I find this to be quite a challenge for me. Having this attitude, it's tough, but it's one that we should have. And as, as he's teaching on this foot washing, he wants us to have this attitude which, that was also in him. That we're not going to, uh, in a sense, we're, we're these great things. I mean, we're kings, we're priests, we're all these other things. And, and, but he's asking us to humble ourselves as a servant, to become a servant to the husband, to the wife, to your children, to your parents, to others that you meet, to your boss. And obviously the uh, end result of that is we want other people to be able to proclaim the excellencies of the knowledge of God in Christ Jesus. That's our goal. And, and uh, uh, you know, my wife and I were missionaries for many years. That's been our goal. That's what we want to do. We want to see that happen in people's lives that not only that they grow closer to the Lord, but that they are equipped to take that message to others. I mean, this, this is about bringing in the, in the sheaves, so to speak. You know, old-time missionary stuff, bringing in the sheaves. We want to go out and bring in. How are our lives affecting that? Are, are they a sacrifice that we are bringing in others so that they too can share in this wonderful thing that we have? So this is the, certainly the goal that we've set before ourselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who sent greater than one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed and happy if you do them. Now, I've uh, gone over that love is the motivator. Christ, the creator and ruler of the universe, he's given us an example. We are well equipped. We really are. You, you may not think that you are, but we, we really are. We have the tools. We have the scriptures. We have the promises. And the thing is, is that we are not complete. In ourselves, we're not complete without the inclusion of others into our life and our submission to the whole. That's how the body will work and function as, as we go about our, our lives, rather than divisions, problems, issues. When we, when we work in love, when we have this motivating factor coming to us as who we are and who they are. Hey, I'm a king, you're a king. You know, not me, I'm a king, you're, you know, wash my feet. Uh, we really need to see other people the way Christ has declared them to be for us. Motivated by the fact that God really loves that other person and that we are part of that holy nation and priesthood, we are to serve with a self-abasing love so that the world may know that we are his disciples. 
And what is the hope there? That they may be partakers with us of this grace wherein we stand. And uh, that kind of sums up pretty much where I'd like to go today. I just want to know if there's anybody that has any questions about foot washing. I mean, you know, I got the whole methodology. I got a question for you. Um, first mention of foot washing in the Bible. Anybody can come up with that? And who was it, and who did the foot washing? Who? Abraham and the angel. Okay. No, no, no. Hold that thought. Anybody want to? First foot washing was when uh, three angels came to Abraham just before uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, were destroyed, and um, it is highly likely, given the text, that Christ was one of those angels. And Christ and the two angels went to Abraham, and Abraham's household washed their feet. So it's it's a long and storied tradition. And uh, there's actually, it's a, you know, you could go and spend a lot of time going through the scripture on all the other foot washings, but it's interesting to see that in the beginning, the better was blessed, in a sense, by the less lesser. I mean, all through Scripture, it's really the other way around. You know, the less is blessed by the better, but in this circumstance, Abraham went out and, and the angel's feet were washed, as well as what we believe was a theophany of Christ at that time. So... Uh, and actually, those angels got their feet washed twice because when they went to Lot's house, he washed them again. So anyway, their, their feet were clean. Anyway, any, any questions, confusions? Did I make any sense? Where are we at? Okay. Uh, this passage is not about confession. It's about service out of a heart of love. And... Uh, we can't take one aspect of our salvation and not the other of Christ ministering to us in a day-by-day way. So I'm just going to leave it right there. we got a few extra minutes. I'll be happy to answer any questions, but uh, let's just close in a word of prayer. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you for uh, this portion of Scripture that just teaches us about you and how you interact with us even out of your lofty position. I pray that this lesson will not be lost on us, that we will take it and meditate upon it, that we might ultimately see these truths fall out to the furtherance of the gospel and the kingdom of your Son. In Christ's name, amen.